your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. Your co-host James here, joined as always by Ryan Williams. We are coming to you on a Thursday evening after missing our first post-match episode in, I think, over two years. It's been a long time, but it was a kind of a crap result, Ryan, to Palace. Uh, so I don't think anyone, maybe some people missed the missed the post-match. but uh, We're blaming the great state of Maine for that, right? Yeah, so that was the issue. So the internet, my internet went out uh, inconveniently shortly after the game ended, and I didn't get it back until later that night. So anyway, we're back with you now, and we're going to deliver some, uh, we will do a quick recap of the palace match but we're also going to go into some more long form stuff as we are wont to do on this show we have a couple of announcements regarding the fan base at large and some fans forum stuff as well and then we're going to get into this narrative that uh, both ryan and i are frankly just very sick of about the fact that marcel brands uh, hasn't really had made an impact in that ever since farhad mashiri arrived at the club that to spend more of the same disappointment season after season. So we'll dig into that a little bit and then we'll wrap things up with some transfer rumors. So if you want to skip around, we will uh, have the timestamps in the description. So check that out. Um, But without further ado, Ryan, let's talk a little bit briefly about crystal palace, a disappointing draw and the fact that we were, you know, ahead and we had so many good chances, I think is the real narrative here that we just basically slipped up. I think that's a fair narrative. I think we looked at the lineup too initially and was kind of like, gosh, can we not get healthy? Like, it's just brutal. I I, I know it's just brutal. Um, And just, you know, it goes to show you when you're in this state in the project and we'll get into the spending numbers, which aren't as significant what people think you're going to have some gaps in there. And, And still our midfield just continues to kill us. Although I think Tom Davies played okay, at least for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, missing Alon's out. Bernard, even Bernard and Wobi would have maybe helped later, you know, ho- helping to hold the ball a little bit. DeCorey obviously being a massive miss. Even Fabian Delph. I know everyone bags on him, but he's really one of our best possession and progressive players. He's just someone else to play in there. Uh, the good news, JP, JPG got in. Um, yes. I don't think he played very well, but I think that's a really ridiculous ask. Yeah. Um, I- and I think in general, part of the narrative too is the subs. The subs hurt us, but. I think the biggest question mark going into the game was our ability to create chances. And I think we were both hopeful that the reintroduction of Hamez back into the side would help fuel that. And I think it certainly did. Oh, without question. I mean, it was clear as day how badly we've missed him almost from the the instant the game kicked off. Just the creativity, the, the range of passing, all the stuff that we love about him that has been so absent for some time. And like you have players who will bring that in moments but not consistently like andre gomez will has shown the knack for a long range pass from time to time but nothing like what we saw with james and he was our our key player and it's just unfortunate that he doesn't seem to quite at this stage in his career with all the injury history really be up for like nine a full 90 minutes even coming off the international break which is fine but i do think you know the decision making by carlo in terms of the substitutions just put us in a position where we had to be so defensive and then just kind of gave palace the opportunity to, to nick some points off us. The numbers are encouraging too. You look at it. I mean, the expected goals calc, um, I think stats bombs, our favorite model. I think it's the best model was a 2.8. I mean, that's the highest since our Leicester match in December. Uh, 
Sheffield FA Cup match, I think, was also 2.8. And I think the defensive story is even better. I mean, 0.7 XG. I mean, that's the lowest we've had since West Brom, at least in the league in September. I mean, had a couple cup matches. I don't necessarily think it was our best defensive performance. Um, and maybe that's a little misleading. I think also what's really kind of the dagger is too. you look at some of our other results and the teams we're competing with. I think the news that Declan Rice went down for West Ham, I thought was encouraging. I really fancied Wolves to get something out of that match. And again, you look at the narrative there and, and it's West Brom's been or West Ham's been really strong. And then you look at the XG, it's 1.25 to 3.2. So how is it that West Ham, the chances of West Ham winning that match and us losing our match with those disparity in the numbers is really, really small. Um, and then you look at the finishing and yeah, you're right. That is the narrative. We did not finish our chances, but I mean, is that something we can point to? Because I don't think finishing has really been a problem over the season. No, it's interesting. You're right. It, it's been the chance creation that's been the problem yeah, all season. Yeah. And then we finally get that element of it in the other end. The finishing goes out the window. So it was a, a bizarre for both. Richarlison had two headers. He hit over the bar. He had a couple really, really nice chances to score. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, same thing. Look, when those guys are off, uh, we're going to struggle to score. It shouldn't surprise anyone. But the creation behind them was encouraging. Yeah, and we look at the numbers. I mean, people kept pointing out a little bit of mythology around. Well, the one thing I'll say about Dominic Calvert-Lewin is you got to give him credit for his strengths as well as critiquing him for his weaknesses. We know he's not perfect. But when you look at Everton as a whole, as a club this year, I mean, the finishing metrics look really good. I mean, a common measure is, you know, non-penalty goals compared to expected goals. And I mean, going into the match, we were up 4.7. We we're sixth in the league in that differential. That's an important finishing stat. I mean, James is the one that's outside the you know, out the stratosphere this year. I mean, he's only, I mean, and again, he had another great chance when oh, he finished on a very amazing. difficult situation, right? Um, and Keenan Mina have, have been a beneficiary too. But I mean, if you look at Dominic Calvert-Lewin compared to the other top scorers in the league, he's right in there with them in terms of that differential. None of them are over two, really. Kane, Son, any of those guys. Jamie Vardy's way down this year. Ollie Watkins, someone brought him up. He's way down too. And, and you start, and Richarlison, who was, was like up four goals the last two years and looking consistent has totally plummeted. But the tweet I sent out, I think the point of the tweet, I think some people missed it was the chances of both Dominic and Richarlison having such bad finishing matches um, is very rare. I mean, the, the quote is Dom had nine matches with an XG of above 0.6. He scored 11 goals in those matches. Only one is he not scored in. Of course, it was the Palace match. Richarlison, his 1.1 expected goals last night in that match, third highest in an Everton kit that I saw. Now, I had some genius retweet me and saying, you're telling me you had a good game. No, that's not what that means at all. How could you miss the point that badly? The point was those chances were there for him and he didn't finish them. I mean, he scored a ton of goals in those other matches. So that's the point. The combination of those things um, is pretty rare. And I mean, normally, look, the bottom line is you see the numbers here. When we beat our expected goals, I mean, what are the results? In 13 matches, nine wins, one loss, three draws. Even when we just put shots on target, when our shooting on when our on target percentage is over, I think I had 52.9% just because that was the number. Six wins out of six when it's more than 33%. And that's not a good number. It's 10 wins, one loss, and three draws. So look. You know, obviously, when we finish well at all, the results happen, even if we haven't been creating chances. 
but still, I think it's encouraging the fact that we have created some chances too. That's at least what I took out of it. But man, there aren't that many games left and we just can't, it's unfortunate, but you know, we, we can only have so many of these the rest of the way. Yeah, exactly. And frankly, I mean, this was, we talked about it on our last tough TV episode, like this match, as well as the Brighton match were basically most wins. Yeah. You only end up getting one point out of this and Brighton on Monday. No it's, margin it's, now. Right. You, it's just, you got to win these games. There's, there's no, and if we lose on next Monday and for, just as a side note, I hate the back-to-back Monday and then back-to-back Fridays that we have coming up. It's so random, but if we don't take points out from Brighton, we're going to be uh long shots for Europe. And you may even say that's the case as it stands now, but just as like a, before I hand it back to you, it is just really fantastic to see Jean-Philippe Gabin return, even though questionable context to bring him back from his injury with up one in a game where, you know, you'd hope that there'd be a certain element of comfort when he'd be able to make his return and you're not throwing him to the wolves, so to speak. I I hated those subs, but it's a tough call because you're limited in terms of what's on your bench and right. you want to kill the game. The problem is you like, I can see sub subbing Ben Godfrey in to handle or help handle Zaha, but now you're killing the chemistry of a shape by taking your right back out who did okay against him. Um, it's a risk. It's a risk and it didn't pay off. It's just unfortunate, but um you know, it's the way it goes. The margins are really slim now. I mean, we've got a good part is we face a lot of the teams we're competing with directly. Yeah. And, you know, our chances boded well and West Ham's lack of boded poorly for them, but you never know how it's going to work out. But anyway, a couple exciting announcements, too, for the club, which I think are interesting. One involving, a, it's probably not a new chapter, but it's kind of been formalized with a cool logo, kind of fun and something different. And then fans forum information. Yeah, so we had the uh, Omaha Everton supporters at Big O Blues on Twitter. Uh they're basically, I think, finally established at least a Twitter presence and I assume kind of a new supporters group in the great state of Nebraska, the Huskers. Uh, so that's exciting. If you're in Nebraska and you're listening to the show, definitely hit those guys up, get involved with that group. And then uh, in relation to the Everton Fans Forum, our good friends at the Fans Forum, including Tony Sampson, who should be appearing on this show to talk about Captain America. Yes, Captain America. <laughs> so the Fans Forum is actually recruiting uh, five new members for this year. As you know, we kind of made a uh, push to get Tony on the fans forum last season, which he uh, of course did. And so they're looking to, con- to expand. So if you have any questions about that, we'll probably talk to Tony a little bit more about that when we have him on uh, in the next week or so. But um, there's also a tweet on there at EFC underscore fans forum with a uh, more context and also the application information. If you're at all interested I know they're, of course, looking for continued international representation on the fans forum as the club has, you know, you see the the dividends that it's paid already with the amazing work that they're doing with Tony and Joe O'Reilly and engaging all of the international supporters groups. So it's great to see. And Tony's on our discord server a lot too. So um, if you have questions, he's been really good about answering them and kind of explaining some context behind stuff. Um, Obviously he's friend of the show and we're definitely going to have him on soon because I know a lot's happening there, but it's a great opportunity Um, specifically certain regions in the U S some representation from them, I think would be a very welcome thing. So check it out, go there, apply, you know, get involved. Absolutely. So with that said, Ryan, let's uh, pivot here and talk a little bit about, well, I'll I'll let you introduce it, Ryan, because I think you're, I'm exasperated with it, but you definitely have this uh, ax to grind with the brands haters. 
Yeah, I, it's, I don't know if it's as much a brands thing or it's just an evaluation of where we're at as a club. So there's a current narrative going around that we've been an utter disaster under Moshiri. And I think a lot of numbers are thrown out in terms of the dollars are spent and look at our team now and all this other stuff. And I, I don't think if I'm going to evaluate the state of affairs in any sort of entity, financial or otherwise, I'll do that because that's a little bit of my background and yours too, James. Um, I'm going to look at things that are relevant. You know, I'm going to look at the current management structure and currently in what they've done. So I, I don't like this citing of five-year expenditure numbers and stuff that really has nothing to do with the current management group. And I think that's what I keep hanging my hat on. I, I don't to be discouraged by an overall entity and a thing that Moshiri's done, I think is, is just not the right narrative. So look, the way I look at things is, and I, I I'm curious your take on this. I think I know what it is, is Farhad's been investing in Everton for a long time. He backed a couple guys early. They didn't perform the way he wanted and he cut bait. And basically we have a pretty massive overhaul of management and Marcel brands came in after the 17, 18 season, but continually we lump in like dollars and other aspects of the club that was happening before Marcel brands got here as though we're showing some sort of holistic picture on things. And I just don't think that's a fair representation of where we're at as a club. And the one thing that really, really does irk me. And I have to admit it is when people say, Oh, look at all the money we spent, you know, and, and, and where we're at. That doesn't make any sense to me because we spent poorly or however you want to categorize it and then cut bait. Why do we carry that forward into the entirely new management team to say we've spent a lot of money and then reference the current management group to me is just not true. It's not true. And all the numbers speak completely against that. And that's why I get a little irritated about it because I'm like, what, when did we spend all this money? So that's why you and I have, you know, on Toffee TV, we broke down kind of the case for Marcel Brands. And I really, it's not necessarily about him. It's about fairly evaluating him, several other members of management, you know what I mean? Carlo, um, and doing it fairly by looking at where we started and where we are now. Because look, this just in, Brands inherited a bad situation. We're going to get to that in a second. But very what's more bad. important is very bad. But so the thing is, the guy inherits a bad situation. And then, look, the only way to get out of that is you could do a couple different things. Either you can be just the wicked smartest guy in the room whatsoever, you know, or but even if you are the smartest guy, it's going to require spending some money. And that's great if you're like Jurgen Klopp, who inherits a side where you have sales of over 300 million pounds of players you inherited. And beyond that, beyond that, his current side, the guys, just the guys he inherited have a market value of like 350 million. So that's basically $650 million that brands, you know, would would dream and love to have. Instead, he had sales of like $100 million in three years, you know, inherited a very bad side. So I, so as a result, we've, and, you know, I, I'm going on here, but um, okay. we, we've taken a step back and said, okay, we've tried to present this data 15 different ways. So let's take a little different cut at it. So let's talk about us spending all this money under Marcel Brands. So when you really look at it relative to the league, and I think that's part of the big problems, it's not a lot, is it? No, and I, I agree that that's a big part of the problem because like anytime you're talking about businesses at scale, it's easy to throw out hundreds of millions, hundred million, and you're like, you know, to me, that's 
a boatload of cash. I'd love to have a hundred million to just spend. Well, you're talking about the Premier League, where would you spend it on Theo Walcott and Jenk Tosin in general? <laughs> uh, tough decision, Ryan. I'd have to say probably not, but uh, <laughs> I think it's a good example of where this these large sums can kind of go awry. But yeah, if you look at the gross and net spend of Everton since 2018-2019, we're really kind of mid-table in terms of, again, it's important because you say we've spent $100 million on these players, $300 million on these players, and you, you take that in isolation and you don't consider, well, guess what? Every other team that's in the league year after year is trying to do the exact same thing effectively that Everton is, and that's improve on their position and move up. And eventually, you know, some teams are trying to finish top half. Some teams are pushing for Europe. And so we've been, we were seventh and ninth in gross and net spend in 2018, 2019, seventh and 10th in 2019, 2020. And then this year, the most recent season, 10th in gross spend and sixth in net spend. And so People act like we're, you know, we're outspending everyone and not seeing the return on that. In reality, we're spending pretty much on average, like right around the middle of what most of the other clubs around us are spending. And that's not because Farhad doesn't want to cough up the cash. It's because we've been hamstrung by the previous two years of the old guys who are not here anymore. So it's really just, um, it's almost like you have to give brands a little bit of a handicap in the sense that he's had these um, financial restrictions that he's had to work around and we'll talk about the squad because when you look back, it's like night and day in terms of the improvements in most of the areas of the pitch, not all it hasn't been perfect. I don't think we're saying he's done a perfect job, but by and large, it's, it's just a, a dramatic improvement. Yeah. We'll go into the state of affairs that he inherited, but I think anyone can look at that and say, wow, we were gross spend was seven, seventh and then 10th. And then our net is ninth, 10th and sixth. If you inherited a really bad side, I mean, why would you be expecting to be qualifying for the Champions League at this point? I mean, it's absurd, really. And people will point, well, the league's not that good. And say, well, I don't know about that. That's a little bit strong. Um, and, you know, it looks like I think the the sixth spot is going to be a decent number, you know, points total. But, yeah, it just it doesn't make sense. So so without further ado, OK, so if we agree that we really haven't spent that much under brands and I mean, how can you argue with that? I mean, it's been around six is the highest we've spent one year from a net standpoint, when we were 10th in growth that year, this past year, I mean, that's not a lot. So if we haven't spent that much, why would we expect to be fantastic at this point, unless you inherited an amazing squad? And let's be honest, did we inherit an amazing squad? Did brands inherit an amazing squad? I mean, do we really want to, I guess we are going to, we're going to hearken back to the days of the end of Ronald, the, the up and down season that was Don't 2017, say 2018. Ronald Koeman, David Unsworth, and he who shall not be named. And this was just the most disjointed, debacle-filled season that you could imagine. I remember, I mean, as soon as he who shall not be named was brought in, I watched every game just blank face, hard, hard to really get behind this team. And it was just diabolically bad to watch. I think part of the challenge is, too, people um, look at that and they say, well, we finished eighth. Well, okay. I mean, the table, if you don't believe the table lies by now a little bit, uh, I don't know what to tell you. So, so I wrote this article for Toffee Analysis, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, which I strongly recommend people check out the writing of Toffee Analysis. These guys do a really nice job and take different angles on things. And it's pretty comprehensive at times. But anyway, you know, I, I said, I wrote this article that I think there's a common misperception that the team was like an eighth or even a mid table team. And it was considerably worse. And, um, you know, I, I, just in general, I mean, finishing on 49 points, 
that does not typically get you eighth. I mean, we were 44 goals for 11th in that and 58 goals against 14th. I mean, a negative 14 goal differential. And that was 11th in the league goals against was 14th. I mean, that, that's, those are not good numbers, but I think when you really peel back the onion and look at it, so we'll play a quick game. We'll go through the attacking numbers and then the defensive numbers. And you tell me if you think it's a top third, middle third, or bottom third team. So here we go. Without further ado, let's do let's, it. we've already gone over goals. Expected goals is even worse. 39.6, 13th in the league. Shots per game, under 10, 19th in the league. Shots on target per game, 3.2, 16th. Not good. Dribbling, 1v1 stats, 19th. In the number of dribbles, 19th in our success rate, 48% dribbling. Key passes, 18th. Good creation number there. Passing, just our percentage was 15th. Um, it's crazy. Third in long balls, 19th in long ball accuracy. Not a good combination. How many crosses? Tons of them. 20th, last in the league. Um, you know, it just goes on and on and on. But, the, but look, 31% of the time, we were in our own third. And even worse. 19th in bad touches, 19th in corners, 14th in touches in the box. I don't even know how that happened. We we're just hoping it up there. So, so look, oh, the o- I know the only positive I could find, and it, please check out the article, was that we were first in expected goals per shot, which frankly is just pure luck. Um, so well, yeah, you're 19th I mean, in shots per game, but first in XG per shot. I mean, so let me ask the question is that a top third, middle third, or bottom third type of attack to you? I mean, that's a relegation. Attack. Oh no! I mean, that's a relegation you, attack. We had only this. This is one of my favorite numbers. Only thirty-two crosses into the goalie backs all all, all year, but we led we led the league in crossing accuracy. Uh, yeah, this is I, why stats can be so misleading because you know the the volume, the lack of volume, rather. You know, you can't take these things in isolation. You have to look at them comprehensively. So you know, if you're getting one one cross into the box per game and you're hitting it, well, then that looks pretty good. You got a high success rate, but. Obviously, if you know you want to be getting the ball in dangerous areas more often than that, which we were not. I mean, 19th and keep passes right. The number of stats that were literally in the bottom three in terms of attack that season, staggering. The fact that we've managed to score just 12th in goals despite all of those bottom three oh. stats is uh I'm not gonna give any of the managers credit because it was disgusting to watch, but um we finished very well. lucky. I mean, I yeah, I don't know what to say, you know, like it's one where I, I could, there just aren't that many positive stats to produce. I'm not trying to set a narrative either. I'm just, I'm just looking at the, I don't care if we were good or bad or unlucky or lucky. I'm just laying it out. I mean, those numbers, that's pretty hard to, I don't know, but, but anyway, yeah. so, okay. We decide. Yeah, I agree. Bottom third attack. No question. Thank God for Omar Nayasi, by the way, eight goals and, and from open playing like a thousand minutes. Unbelievable. <laughs> really? I mean, it's unbelievable. Anyway. All right. Let, defense. Let's play the same drill. Top third, middle third, bottom third. Um, defensive numbers are a little misleading, so they're kind of tricky. Um, all right, goals against we already know it was 58, <laughs> dear lord, 14th. Expected goals against was only 54.77, 13th. However, we gave up 46 goals from open play, that was last in the entire league. Um, shots against almost 13, that was 16th. Uh, 13th in dual success rate, that's not bad. Ninth, fourth in challenge intensity. Uh, that's uh, basically duels, tackles, interceptions per opposition possession. Second in interceptions per game. Now, granted, that's because the other team had the ball the whole time. <laughs> First in fouls per game by a ton. Again, they have the ball, so that's going to happen, but no pressure. I mean, 14th in, you know, PPDA, that's 
pressure applied, it's a little more complicated than that. 18th in aerial success rate. That's pretty shocking. Ninth in save percentage. Pickford had a really good year, to be perfectly honest. His his um, non-penalty expected goals stuff post-shot are pretty good, too. This one, there's some more positives, but I mean... Is that's I mean, what's what's a good news story that we are combative? I mean, that's like you look at that and it's the fact that our offensive numbers were so bad implied that we were really focusing on defense, and yet, yeah, it's we gave up the most goals from open play in the league. So, really, it's I, I mean, the the defensive stats in isolation, you might make an argument that that's a team that could skate by uh, escaping relegation on you know the last couple weeks of the season, but. Uh, you know, together, it's like really a miracle that we didn't get relegated. Yeah, I mean, you can't ignore, I mean, giving up that many shots per game, like 13 of them. And again, their shot quality too, which which wasn't as high. I mean, we definitely packed it in a bit, but you still gave up 46 open play goals. I mean, that is brutal. I mean, set piece, it goes to show you though, if you play a certain way and get by in set pieces, you can kind of hang, hang well, in there know, a little Ryan, bit. Th- what this is, what this has done is it has partially uh supported the narrative of you know who in his post everton days where he's like oh well this team was so bad but we i i got them to eighth and yeah i mean such a great manager and we know that's a joke i mean he took over when we were tied for you know we were tied for 12th and two points out of ninth unless you're going to give him credit for sitting in the stands in a match <laughs> which which if you're going to give that i remember saying this to the bobblers like you guys deserve three your managerial records one and oh now congrats yeah you know like exactly. what a joke that is is, you know, I, yeah, I there is some merit to that approach, though, if you're a really weak team. I mean, you limited chances on both ends and hope you squeak one out. And it's your best chance if you know you can't straight up compete. But how on earth did that team finish eighth? And that's the problem. Like people think, well, we finished eighth. And then they compare him to Silva's team the next year. They also finished eighth. They're five points better, 20 goals better. I mean, they went from being the worst open play defense in the league to like a top five open play defense. Again, he had his issues with set pieces. But but the point I'm trying to make is that is that an eight place team? I mean, you could say the table doesn't lie at the end of the day and all that other stuff. But I mean, how can you ignore those peripherals? I mean, that is a debatably a bottom third defense. Absolutely a bottom third attack. There's context within that. But I mean. It's it's a terrible side, man. It's a terrible side. So, I mean, that's one thing if it's a young side and you've got some potential guys with some value and you're playing young people and giving them a chance. But when we start to peel back the layer of the talent, Ugh. oh my heavens, it's even worse in a way that like, it's not like brands inherited all these sellable commodities and stuff, you know? Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the personnel that were able to achieve these sensationally, uh, abomination abominable numbers so let's get into it so we'll just go through quickly through like the existing talent that brands essentially inherited and had to move on so and are we better or worse because i've heard that narrative is absurd we're no better than when brands took over i heard that (laughs) i mean we just went through the performance of the team i just don't know how you could like i mean let's just let's just get okay let's get into it let's talk about the talent too because you could decompose position by position yeah so let's look at let's look at our strikers to start so of course this was uh when wayne the season wayne rooney played the most minutes out of any forwards on our team 2200 minutes we had dominic calvert lewin he played the 10 sometimes too so yeah yeah so so look we're gonna cross over a little bit here because you know it's hard to tag them exactly at where they played but yeah i'm sorry continue dominic calvert lewin is fantastic playmaking year we had Dominic Calvert-Lewin playing just under 2,000 minutes, 1,800, four goals and six assists, with which was ridiculous because 
he outperformed his expected assist by like five, but four. he was playing right wing back, buddy. Yes, indeed. This was the infamous graphic that will live long in the Evertonian memory. Uh, and then, of course, that uh, winter, or sorry, January transfer window, bring in Cheng Tosin, who actually made a decent contribution and provided us a little bit of scoring five goals in just under a thousand minutes. And then, of course, the uh, Sandra Ramirez debacle as well. And then we had Umar Nias, who actually led us in open play goals that season with uh, it, yeah, eight in under a thousand or just over a thousand minutes. So it's pretty good return actually. Yeah, no, it's not bad. So you had Rooney DCL, who was still very raw at the time, Cenk Tosin, Sandro and Nias. I mean, come on. The unbelievable part about it is that, well, first of all, brands deserves a lot of credit too, to push, to keep Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Cause I think silver really wanted to replace him and look elsewhere at one point. I mean, that that's brilliant. I can't imagine how much money that saved us. I mean, the wages of this group is probably 350 K almost 400 K a week. So would anyone? So what do we think? Are we better off now with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, and I guess King is kind of a temporary third striker, and Moise Keen on loan? What do we think? We better now or then? Yeah, I think it's undoubtedly better. Maybe not quite as uh, just in, obviously fewer in numbers, but this is ex- exactly the maybe the biggest part that brands had to do is trim the squad. So now you've got two strikers who are. Um, among the most sought after young strikers in Europe, and maybe not necessarily like top of anyone's list, but really promising young players who will, again, have plenty of time to develop and improve. And they have market value. You know, if you, if you want, if Richarlison got fed up tomorrow and wanted to leave and go to Barcelona, I mean, you're probably getting 80, you know, 70 million for him. I mean, that's, you could do a lot. I know he's a very good player. You don't want that to happen, but you can do a lot with that. But so you look at this Rooney free Dominic Calvert-Lewin still here and very valuable. Jenk Tosin. I mean, he's not doing anything right now. Oh, I mean, he'll be tough. You know, certainly we're not getting any more than, you know, we're not getting double digits for him. Sandra Ramirez, basically brands moved him, you know, and saved us a lot of salary in his final year to do so. I think he's a better player than people give him credit for, but that's another story. He was still on massive wages. Omar was left on a free. I mean, no one really wanted him. So that that's what he inherited. I mean, basically nothing from a money standpoint. It was amazing. He moved Rooney on for what he did. So, so, all right, let's get into the wing play. I love these guys. This is a good combo. Yeah. So let's get into it. So of course, uh, the other January edition, Theo Walcott, who came in and to his credit was actually a decent addition for that one half season. And, uh, seems to be on his way to Southampton potentially once his Fits. contract expires. He fit our playing style at the time too. I mean, you yeah. know, that, that's by the way, that's Correct. why you don't buy people for that particular yes. playing style, but that's another story. Yep. Go ahead. Yannick Belasi, which of course this was, uh, this was the year he picked up that injury. He played like what first handful of games and then, or was he coming back from the injury? I can't, this would have been when he was coming back. So he's finally anyway, yeah. he played 850 minutes. Um, that's Blasi. right. Cause we sent him on loan. Didn't we? I mean, yes, I think yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. of it, yeah, poor guy, you know, I, you know, he didn't even look that bad when he first came. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. But him and Lukaku oh well. had that great connection. But anyway, yeah. And then we had kind of the young kids. We had Vlasic, who was brought in after a just like seemingly spur of the moment after we played, of course, Hadrick Split in the Europa League qualifiers. We had Adamola Lookman, who ended up going on loan after just barely. And this was the season, like we were basically begging for Lookman to get a shot and yep. ended up going on loan as well. Only played 159 minutes for us. Kevin Morales, who at this point, everyone was pretty much ready to see the back of 138. And then, you know, you include maybe DCL Sandro because they did technically play out, li- out wide. 
And then we had uh, Aaron Lennon, who was actually our third, uh, played the third most minutes of any winger for us before we sold him to Burnley in December. That was in December. So, I mean, he played almost 800 minutes the first half of the year. So that's really what your winger combo was. It was basically Theo and Lennon, you know, with some Belasi mixed in. Uh, and then you had Onyenkaru, who we bought, who never got a work permit. But, but I mean, so, so look, compare it now. I mean, are we really going to look, I understand that we don't have necessarily a, a traditional right wing. Um, I'm not, I mean, you know how I feel about Theo Walcott. He's not a good fit for what we do now. He's a terrible possession player. And I, I, I don't think he helps us at all. I would much rather play the guys we have now or play more narrowly than have him out there. I think he's a possession killer and you know, he just, he doesn't create either. He, you know, it's not the right guy, but, but, but if you look at it, I mean, how can you argue Richarlison? People slight Bernard, but the guy's still creative. And you could say what you want about a Wobie, but I take him over any of these guys for sure. Um, Absolutely. But, but about the only good part about this, so I'd say we're definitely better now, but the only good part about this was brands couldn't sell anyone. Ideally, you would never want to sell a talented young player like Lookman or Vlasic even. And he did. He had to. He got decent fees for him. He got like at least 16 million and some add-ons for Lookman. And I think he got 14 for Vlasic at Moscow after after having him on a loan spell. And, and let's tell you what, Vlasic is a hot commodity now. He's been very good there. He's like many other players, like my man Chaloff, who gets stuck in Russia, which I'd, you know, I'd love to see him get out of there. Um, and in Yankaru, Brands got 12 million for him, and that was much more than what we paid for him. So at least they provided a bulk of the sales that we got besides Ghana. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that that's a it's shambles there, you know, but at least he got some returns out of that. So at least there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Um, and then we had, of course, the uh, just disastrous recruitment policy that ended with us having three number tens in Gilfie Sigurdsson, Wayne Rooney and Davy Klassen, uh, who of course only played 250 minutes or so for us. And that was just created a lot of problems in terms of lineup selection, because, you had to fit Sigurdsson and Rooney into the same team week after week. And it just created weird, weird situations where one of them had to play out of position. And I think Gilfie provided some return then. I mean, yes. but again, he's a classic example of a guy that you bought to play a certain way or that could play a certain way. And I think Kuman's idea was to get a bunch of guys with good first touch that move the ball fast. The problem is you need legs around you to do that. And we never really got that. But um, yeah, Gilfie, Rooney, Klassen. I mean, and obviously we've we've been all over Gilfie and his inability to create from open play this year. I mean, it's been a disaster, but I, I I don't see how you can argue that we're not better now. I mean, James obviously is a world ahead. You can argue a will be all you want, but I still maintain he's so much better than Gilfie in open play. People are going to get mad at me about that. But I mean, come on, man. People keep citing the four goal, four assist thing for Gilfie. I mean, he had two penalties and three out of the assists were basically either one was directly from a set piece. The other two were. One was a short corner and the other one was a rebound off a bad first corner. I mean, he doesn't create an open play. Kudos to his defensive ability and he's worked very hard. But I mean, so then look at look at the outlay on these guys. You sold class for 12 million. What did we buy him for? 22, 24 in that big vicinity. number. Yeah, big number. I think it may have even been higher than that. Gilfie, you know, hopefully we wise up and send him out this summer, but he's not going to gather big money and what did Rooney get nothing you know he was basically on a free but he was on a big salary so Brands didn't have a lot to work with here you know so let's look at the rest of the midfield though because I, I think if there was one area of this team at least the year before that was decent I thought it was in the center of midfield we had a couple injuries here that may have made things harder but um, I think that one's a little bit debatable whether we're better or worse now 
Yeah. And this is one that I think probably has, has given brands maybe more difficulty in terms of like reclaiming because we, of course, we had Adrissa Ganagay, who was our best player that season. I think it's safe to say. Yes. Uh, in terms of his, and, and with good reason. I mean, he played also 2,700 minutes. He was our rock. He was yeah. a, a stabilizer for the entire team. When a lot of the other players were in disarray, he really kind of brought that uh, element of organization. And then Morgan Schneiderlin also played two, 2,100 minutes for us. And even Tom Davies, as a 19-year-old, played almost 2,000. So you had a lot of rotation. And then you had the guys on the periphery. You had James McCarthy, who was coming back from his horrible injury. He was a mess, yeah. He was not the same player. You had Benny Benangami, who played almost as much as McCarthy did. And we had uh, Mo Besich, who ended up going on loan to Middlesbrough. Now, you look at like the combination of Davies and Gay, and you say, okay. And Schneiderlin was good for us for a certain period of time, but he really kind of just like... I don't know. He he started playing really badly, and that partnership that was so strong for us in the backing behind the the midfield and the attackers just kind of fell to pieces. And we could use him now, to be perfectly honest, just because yeah. we don't have that sitting six. But I just think his lack of athleticism and combo of strength just wasn't a great ever fit for the Premier League, even if he was decent on the ball at times and could tackle. His timing was okay. He could read a play all right, but yeah, he did try and dro- he really dropped off this season. So, so look, I think if we're healthy, I mean, Bameen, Alon, Decore, um, even Andre, I mean, I think we're considerably better so now, better. but I can't argue Ghana was a fantastic ball winner, even if he was a very unique player. And I, I think, you know, if you're going to evaluate Marcel brands on this, look, he got 27 million or so from Ghana to go to PSG. He kept it around for, for, a, you know, past the January window when he had the offer, he made the promise that in order to keep him, he promised he'd sell him in the summer. So, I mean, you got to be fair or else you're never going to track anyone for anything. He replaced him with the meat. I mean, that was absolutely his replacement. Clear as day. He's a different player. I mean, he's more of a sitting six, I think. And he got hurt, you know, and his other replacement that could kind of play both Delph got hurt. Now that was more of a risk. He knew it was a health issue. Alon has been banged up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Decore is now out. So, there's a lot of bad luck here. I mean, yeah. there's no question about it. I think we're better off now in terms of depth, but at least it's a debate. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think just like in sheer numbers, like Ghana is the shining light, but in terms of depth and like different things that you can do in terms of versatility, we, we certainly have more of that now. Now let's talk quickly, just run through the defense here. I mean, it's ugly. We even have to talk about left back, Ryan. I mean, we, of course, had an aging Leighton Baines and a Cuco Martina who had to play on the left side for almost 2,000 minutes that season. Baines was uh, hurt for a long time. And, of course, this was kind of the, the moment when we knew, got to go get a, a left back, got to get Baines' successor. And we got one heck of a left back in Luca Dean. Um, you know, fantastic job. I mean, got the right guy, bang, done. Haven't even looked back on that one. And then you look at center half. Let's talk about that for a second. So you've got age 34, Phil Jagielka, ultimately being the preferred partner to Michael Keane, um, who played about 2,600 minutes. Ashley Williams, who? Good God. Yeah, look at the jersey Ryan's I got on right now. The, Ashley Williams, Williams, Williams jersey. Williams. There's a whole story behind that, the Williams thing, but that it's funnier than even just the last name. Anyway, Mason Holgate snuck in there too, although he played a couple different places. Um, I mean, we're better by a mile now. Are you kidding me? I mean, we've got serious depth at center back. We got four guys. We got an older Holgate. 
I think an improved Michael Keane, and I still say Mina and Gottfried are both, you know, well better than any of the guys here. So, I mean, I think that's not even close, but even worse. So, so look at the return on those guys. You could sell Michael Keane. I mean, he's English. He's a good player and, and, you know, he's homegrown. So you may want to kind of keep him, or at least he's English. Pardon me, not homegrown. I mean, he didn't grow up in Everton's Academy or anything. Ashley Williams, nothing for him, basically. God. It makes Sophia me so Gielka. sick to my stomach that he played for us. Well, you know, the thing that is, he wasn't, season. Yeah, he wasn't that bad the first season. Everyone wants to bag on him the first season. I mean, he was replacing, ultimately, John Stones, who was wildly inconsistent uh, and only recently has kind of made a resurgence. But Jagiel, I mean, there's nothing to play with there. There's no sales that you can generate from those right. guys. So, again, it's just a Black dumping hole. ground. Yeah. So, all right. So, right back. Right back, I think you can make a case that we're, we're worse off now i i I think i I don't know what are your thoughts because i mean you had you had seamus who played about a thousand minutes he was hurt most of the year so when he did play he was pretty ineffective even if it maybe we're in a better situation because he was a better player a couple years ago john joe played almost 1600 minutes you got cuckoo out there and some whole gates you can actually make an argument that we're better off this year but we don't really have one i I think the scenario the situation was probably better then yeah look you've got a Coleman, who's a few years older now, a few years worse for wear, and you've got the impressive out-of-position performances. Uh, well, I guess La- Mason Holgate, look, no one's going to say he's a natural right back. He's been a mess, man. Yeah, but Coleman that year was injured. I mean, it's just been kind of tough to see that just – it happens to the all the great ones, but the decline of James Coleman, and it's obvious we've talked about it so much, but this is like – Probably our number one priority for the summer is to get a true right back who can really get up and down and provide us some symmetry that Luca Dean gives us on the left on the right hand side. Yeah, I mean, right side in general, you know, I think we can make an argument, but we, you know, we hit the right wing. So let's talk about goalkeeper because, Hmm. well, the funny part is it was Pickford then, but I, I would argue we're much worse now in a way because you've got Pickford who started all 38 matches, played really well, frankly. You had Joe Robles, who is mm-hmm. starting in La Liga and has been for a couple of years, who was a little inconsistent, but wasn't the worst backup. Um, and Pickford performed very well. In fact, it got him a massive deal that was signed, I think, right about when Brands got here. I don't know how much he had to do with it, but I'd say we're in a much worse situation. But I can't blame that on Brands. I mean, what are you going to do with that? I mean, he sold Robles for nothing, right? I mean, in essence, left on a free. So. I don't know if you can blame him for that. I mean, Roberto Martinez brought him in for heaven's sake, Steck free. In fact, I don't yeah. even know how he got rid of Steck basically. Um, but Pickford's form has plummeted, but you do deserve a little. I would actually argue Robin Olsen is a little bit better suited for the way we're playing than Robles as a backup. Yeah. Then, I mean, I would probably take Joel now over him. Maybe. I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a wash, but Pickford played really well. So it's hard to argue that. We're in better shape considering Pickford is slightly older and on a massive deal. I mean, I can't imagine we could move him if we tried. Yeah, that's been, I mean, we've said it so many times on the show, but Pickford just, yeah, he he cashed in on that deal and he's just kind of regressed. Although I guess his performance is a little better in the most recent weeks. He's, he's definitely like stepped up and improved, yeah. but is he the guy long-term? Mm. Based on his deal, probably because we just have no way to move him. But Olsen at least has come in and been able to provide some competition, which Robles never, you could argue, is Pickford's form that really was the difference. But Olsen's at least given him that little bit of uh, feeling of someone breathing down his neck. So he's had to raise his game. He's had some good games, too. I mean, you, the numbers don't lie. I mean, Olsen's played pretty well other than a slip at Man U, you know, and I, I don't know if he could have done better on the Palace goal, I guess. But, but anyway, the point being is that. 
Pickford at least could maybe return to form. I mean, there's some hope there. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't, you know, anyway, we paid a lot of money for him. He's on a huge deal. I mean, the, the value of that position is plummeted for sure, but that's, you can't really blame that on brands. It'll be interesting to see what we do on this in the summer. So, all right, taking a step back of the glory that we just walked through. Oh, this yeah. Is which tough. again, this I mean, again, tough. we summarized the team performance and there's no question it was a disaster. Then you look at the player. So out of all these players, who would you confidently say out of every one of them, who is currently an above average Premier League player? I mean, this is a couple of years ago, right? Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for sure. Yeah. I, I would have said Holgate has a shot, but he's been a disaster. He's been playing out of position. I I don't think he's much better than average. Ghana. Ghana still would. I mean, he killed it the other day, by the way, in PSG's win in the Champions yeah. League. He looked fantastic. And you know, he's been a little up and down this year. Is Michael Keenan an above average Premier League player? I think I think he is on form this season. I mean, I think he has been pretty rock solid, consistent for us. He's had his ups and downs in an Everton shirt, but recently yeah. he's been a little down. He started the year yeah. so well though. You can't forget yeah. about how outstanding his performances were. And I mean, he's shown a little bit of ability to break through lines and stuff too. I've I've liked that evolution in his game. I, I would say he's definitely an above average player. Yeah. But I mean, that's like it that we have left. Yeah. I mean, is Lookman at Fulham? I'd say he's middle of the road. I mean, he's certainly he's he's a good player in their side, but you and they've, they've been playing well of late. Maybe of late you can make the argument, but and, and take the whole season on his face value. I don't know. He might be, but I, would you argue about that fee? I mean, at the time it was yeah. pretty. I mean, I, I don't. He didn't want to be here anyway, and neither did Vlasic, who I right. think would maybe be one too. You know, if we brought him back and was our backup ten, we'd be very happy. But I just that that's. I mean, Pickford. I you can't say that about Pickford. No chance. No. I mean, there's no, no way um, he may not be as bad as the numbers indicate, but I mean, there's no, I don't think you can make that argument. And can you say Seamus Coleman is an average, is an above average premier league player. So, so what are we talking about? How brands got even a hundred million in sales out of that team is shocking, but that's it. That's all he got. That is all he has recouped in sales for three years. That is very low. I mean, knowing that you're going to try and turn over the whole entire roster and you needed to based on team performance. I mean, he's moved out almost everyone and has gotten that kind of return. Is that his fault? I don't think so. No, you can only, you can only do so much with that, that roster. And like the age was also such a big factor. I mean, that's an old team. You've got yeah. a huge, huge disparity and you've got, you know, you've got like a, a up and coming Tom Davies and Dominic Calvert Lewin, Mason Holgate, like, but the guys who are really playing, Big minutes, Phil Jagielka, Leighton Baines, like all of these guys. Morgan Schneiderlin wasn't a spring chicken either. There and a lot of guys who are coming, like Yannick Pelosi, James McCarthy, these guys that have these horrific injury histories. And, you know, all credit to them for being able to come back from that. But this was a beat up, aging, dysfunctional in the terms of like who Gilfie and, you know, the number 10 problem. This was a bad situation. So, you know, you, you you look at the table at season's end and say, okay, they finished eighth, so they should improve off that. And then you like spend five minutes. We've probably spent about what, 30 minutes now looking at the underlying things. And it's like, how can you fault brands for how far we've come? Yeah. So you look at that performance and you're telling me that's a, a top 10, even side. No, it, it's, it's, they finished eighth. I, I'm sorry. That that's, Every it's not only that they finished eighth and were really like almost a bottom third team, but then you look at what he had to work with and it was so lesson learned. That's why you buy some young players too. If you can get similar production, you always buy the younger guy. You can move them. 
And then you look. So, okay, fine. You inherit a bad situation, a bad team, arguably a bottom third team. In all honesty, if you really look at the peripheral performance numbers and the situation, it's a bottom third type situation for sure. And then on top of that, you only spend, what is it again? Gross spend. Seven, seven, tenth, ninth, tenth, sixth in net. Why on earth would anyone in their right mind say and look at that and say, well, you've spent like a seventh to tenth team. You inherited a team that is no better than that. Why would you think you'd be better than that now? So what would you expect? I would say the expectations, in all honesty, would be ninth, tenth. I mean, you certainly didn't spend enough to get over the hump with as bad of that team was. So it's no surprise we finished what we did last year. So you compound that with injuries. Yeah. I mean, last year, we had the most major injuries of any team in the entire league. This year, we uh, can't be far off that. No, we're definitely up there again. Right. So again, with all the injuries, how could anyone look at where we are in the table and be really upset about it? I, I mean, in all honesty, I, look, I want us to be better. This, this is about hopes and dreams. I'm not saying that, you know, I want us to be better. But we, we look at the results I and mean, we've been pretty pretty darn fortunate this year so the next time someone wants to sit there and say things are the same under brands i just i mean we could get in other things like his transformation the academy and some other stuff but we're under an academy band until november i totally forgot about that i mean that's even i mean what a terrible situation to inherit so i think people really need to take a little bit of a reality check sometime if they really want to categorize brands as being just the same i mean how could you Hopefully people appreciated what we did there, but I I think he inherited a very bad situation. And I I think we're, I'm excited about us. I think about time to get over the hump. Yeah. Um, And and I think we should be optimistic about how we're going forward. And I am, but, but I, I think any sort of expectations that we should be pushing for the champions league right now is absolutely absurd and not objective at all. We've always talked about the, the goal is six. We've said it since the start of the season. Yeah. And I still think that's attainable. It's going to be a stretch. Well, what did we say? We We said we could get it, but I mean, we really have to say injury free. Exactly. We'd have to hit on all the guys. I mean, it wasn't going to be easy. Look, it's so look, I think there's always going to be a portion of the fan base. And I think all of us are this to some extent that live and die by each result, but it's always important to try to take a step back and look at the situation as a whole. And as we just have done here, we're basically approaching potentially the first summer. There's still a little bit of dead weight in the squad. I mean, we're not super deep. We're not perfect, but we're finally reaching a point where you can see, like, we're not going to have to just sell all of these fringe dozens of fringe players. The squad's a respectable size. The money is still kind of a question. What, what the regulations, what financial fair play is going to look like all of these sorts of things. If we do get into Europe, we'll have that extra cash, but this could be like, the unleashing of Marcel brands. If And he's done good business, but he's been hamstrung by all of these contracts that he's had to offload. Now our wage bills in a better spot. Yeah. And he's been, I'm sure working tirelessly, although he has yet to sign a new contract, which I guess is uh, a little bit concerning to me because I feel like that would have been kind of a, a no brainer for everyone involved to get that done as quickly as possible as we approach the end of the season, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but we've certainly got plenty of uh, potential rumors floating about Ryan that indicate that Marcel has uh, potentially been keeping himself busy, potentially they're garbage. You know, you never really know this time of the year with these rumors. Yeah. So let's get into silly season already. We love this stuff. I know most of our listeners like it to an extent too. So we're going to go through the recent ones as there's a bunch of them. 
and make a quick judgment on whether we think they're likely, unlikely, maybe hard to say likely. That's the other thing, too. If people think they're really strong rumors of linkage to players right now, look, man, we don't even know if we're going to finish in European spots. So I'm pretty confident that Everton has not decided those things. And the other thing is, too, good luck getting anything out of Stenson and brands, you know, it's really hard. I mean, having a little experience of dealing with some of their, their guys and their analysts and stuff, they're really good actually, but um, those guys are pretty tight lipped. So even Fabricio, our hero is getting a lot of agent speak right now. I think the Joshua Xerxes example is the best one of that, but, but anyway, without further ado, all right, first one, who we got. Yeah. So we're talking, this comes to us from uh Gazetta della Sport via sport witness and the always Chief. reliable Gazetta. Della oh, sport. we got to love the Italian news sources. <laughs> uh, and this comes to us actually reported by the toffee blues via all of these uh, sources. Those guys are on it, man. Kudos. They're to on them. the ball. Yeah. Tip of the cap. Um, so supposedly we're interested in Bologna and Japan defender Takahiro Tomiyasu. He's 22 years old. Supposedly can play both center half and right back. Uh, Leverkusen supposedly interested in the region of 20 million euros uh, for Bologna. Ryan, what do you think about this kid? Unlikely. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't think he fits the profile of what we're looking for in a right back. I mean, he's got good size and he's probably like six one. I think some listen at six. I don't think he's quite that big. He's a decent athlete too, but he's just not a massive attacker. I mean, he'll get up in the uh, in a little bit and not an amazing crosser of the ball. I think he's pretty skilled for a big guy. I kind of like him as a player, but I, I just don't really see a fit there. So I, I think that's probably unlikely. Could be agent speak drumming up interest, whatever. But yeah, I'm going with unlikely, Hamas. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just look. We already have a center half who can play right back too, and seen <laughs> the results of that so far this season. So we'd have to know. move someone um, out. I do like the yeah, player in general, but we'd have to move someone out. I don't. Think yeah, we're, look, gonna, I, we're not going to move out an English homegrown player for this guy. Exactly, and, and I'm just hoping we can get, you know, six one six two, but someone who can get up and down. So uh, the next one comes to us from uh, Transfer News Central for, uh, via Football Insider, and this is saying that we're supposedly monitoring a Blackburn Rovers striker Adam Armstrong. So I, I must say this. So I have not watched him that much. I've watched Blackburn a couple different times. I kind of like him. Uh, you know, this is a maybe for me. And let me tell you why. We clearly need a third striker. I think Carlo likes adaptable players. Now, Armstrong's a right footer, but his left foot's not too bad. I've seen him play on the left side as well. He's a really interesting player. He's kind of short. And again, we, you know, we have a short, tall bias on, um, <laughs> I, I, on the discord server. I've been, I'm not the shortest person. So I've been accused of bias against short people. Um, <laughs> I kind of like this guy though. I mean, he's got a little bit of a, you know, a name Smith kind of feel to me, but, okay. um, he, he's nice, worthless in the air pretty much. Uh, he's got decent acceleration. He's stocky though. He's really strong. Uh, he can shoot it too. He can create a little bit. I've, I've seen him do some Hollywood type pass stuff. A uh, little tricky with the ball. He works really hard. He can pressure people. I mean, he's a good all-around striker. I've seen 15 million pounds quoted, and, man, his goal return has been impressive. I mean, I feel like he's got I – mean, he's hit for, like, 20 goals years back-to-back, -back, or at least close. Um, i got to double-check those numbers, but I, I kind of like him. I mean, I, you know, 15 million maybe is a little bit high. He's not – the problem is he's not one of those guys that, like, a big club is going to look at and jump out on him because he's not yeah. – We'll get to Paxson Doc in a second. He's not the six one like super jump off the film type athlete, but I think he's deceptively quick. He's very strong. He's tough. I, I kind of like him in a player. It's this one's a maybe for me. I don't think it's crazy. Yeah, I mean for that price again. I mean we're looking at a pretty much inevitable sale of Mo Moise Keane at this point, and uh, leaves us with again just Dominic Calvert. Depending on what happens with Josh King, I really cannot see that deal being 
or the six no. month deal that he's on. We're, we won't extend him. So we will probably be in the market for some kind of depth in the forward areas, especially a striker. But, um, you know, that's like good. Big, yeah. And it I mean, seems like it really, a reasonable it's like price. 16 goals last year, 19 this year. I mean, granted, there's some penalties in there, but I mean, six assists last year, three. Um, I have some advanced metrics from the championship, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's interesting. He, I would imagine there might be a discussion there. It, it's a curious link. I'm, I'm, that wouldn't be the worst idea. You know, it's kind of a third striker that can kind of fill in. Now, what do you think about this link, Ryan? We've been linked yet again, because this was one that came up, I believe, in the summer multiple times. Santiago Arias from Atletico Madrid, obviously a true right back, uh, getting on in years a little bit. And this, uh, this was from, I think, just yesterday from the Daily Mail, who yeah. we all know as a reliable source. Oh, 100% right. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I think... I mean, doesn't this kind of feel like the easy link due to brands bring him in at PSV? I mean, he he totally blew out his knee earlier. I, I could have seen him come in as kind of like a Sidibe type loan. You know, he, he's a hard one to peg, too, because he plays way more defensively. I think at Atletico Madrid, at least in the short period yeah. of time that I've seen him play there. He was a little bit more of kind of an up and down attacking force at PSV. I, he's older. I don't know if he's that type of player anymore. So I, I think. I think it's unlikely. I think we're going to look for more of a permanent solution. That's longer um, term. I think so. I mean, I think he's an okay player. Um, I like how defensively responsible he is and he's a competitive guy, but I mean, you're not going to take a chance on this guy after blowing out his knee and say, this is our guy for the next couple of years. At least I wouldn't think so. I'd be a little surprised unless you can get a kind of a cut loan deal on him as kind of like a fill in. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. But then like, why are you signing a fill in for probably our most needed position? Yeah, right. I, and a guy who's 29, I, mean, you, I, I feel like we really just have to look for a guy who's in that 23, 24 coming into his prime. Yeah. Um, ready to take the next step. Kind of like Luca Dean was, and we all know how that, well that worked out. So energy and athlete too, I think yeah. is probably what we'll opt a little bit more for as opposed to skill. Maybe I, I think mm. that's what we need. I'm hopeful. That's what we look at. I mean, Again, Max Aaron's links have been a lot. I, I just can't see us paying that sort of money for him. Yeah. We can get him in more detail. I'm just not, you know, I'm not, as big a fan as of him as many others. I think he's a good player. I just don't know if he's the right guy for us. I just, I don't know. Just looking at the rest of the mix of the team. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> we're getting really into silly season with these next couple, Ryan. Uh, Khalidu Kulabali from Napoli. This seems like another one that just will not go away. I mean, they're saying he could leave in the summer if Napoli don't make the Champions League. De Laurentiis wants 60 million euros for him just makes no sense like there's to me this is another just lazy link massive name someone will take him he's an incredible talent but he's also getting older and do we need to spend 60 million on a center back when we have four guys who are relatively competent at the moment i mean he'll be 30 million next year or 30 next year i mean at that sort of price look don't get me wrong i think the guy's awesome he's he's a great player favorite players in world football he's such a great ball mover in the back with the left foot he's got good size great athleticism but i mean what was the point of getting like ben godfrey spending all that money we got four center halves now i just we have too many needs i I just think there's no way in heck unless some really weird things happen so no i'm going to say extremely doubtful um, I've got a yeah. couple other uh, attacking player links here. We've got Patsendaka, uh, supposedly being monitored by not just Everton, but also Arsenal, Liverpool, and Manchester United from Star. I assume that's the Daily Star. Um, yeah, I mean, he's linked to everyone. I mean, he's kind of yeah. like the young, hot striker. I mean, I, I, I mean, what do you think? I think that's pretty doubtful. 
Yeah, it doesn't really list a price, Ryan, but if you know you have all these big Premier League names in for you, you'd assume there'd be interest in some sort of bidding war. It doesn't seem to be brands real uh MO, you know, we we talk about the, the the Gabrielle saga last summer with the bidding war going back and forth, and we all know how well that worked out for us ending up with Ben Godfrey. So I just don't really see us looking to to fight it out with some of these other teams with massive, massive budgets. I don't think he's a fit for the right side either. I think he's a pure striker. So me and Penny were kind of going back and forth on him. Um, we disagree about a lot of things at times, but I think we both kind of agreed on him. He's one that I think people will be interested in. He's an absolute burner. He's got good size at six one, but he doesn't really use it maybe as much as he should. He's still pretty raw to me. Uh, he's more of a poacher type and, yeah, you could sub him in for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but he's not going to go to some place and sit on the bench, I think. And I, I don't think he's going to push. I mean, he would push those guys. And I guess he's a substitute for Moise Keane if we sold him. But I, I just, I just think we'll take the, we'll take the proceeds. We'll get a third, maybe striker. I'd love to get a young guy, uh, not maybe not Armstrong, but someone like that. I just don't. This guy's going to be expensive as heck. It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, speaking of expensive, let's move <laughs> on to one of my recent favorites, which. I don't know what this one comes from. And I will say this at transfer toffee, toffee transfers does a hysterical job of picking this one apart. So toffee blues again, are captured this one from caught offside. This has come from a couple different sources, but Everton are interested in Juventus Ford follow Dybala. Oh, and, and here's the logic. No, this is great. Due to issues over a new contract, the Argentinian is likely to leave Juventus despite them wanting to extend his deal. Dybala, however, is expected to turn down any formal offers from Everton, probably because there won't be one. So, <laughs> so, so I love the response. This is great. Tavi transfers is her credit for this one. Injury prone. Check. Temperamental. Check. Individualistic. Check. I don't know if that's a bad thing, really, but eye wateringly expensive. Check. Likely that likelihood really should say that Everton is genuinely interested in Dybala. Survey says. Yes, sir. Nice timing. Yeah. Functional fit, but there, there's, there's, I, that would be, he had a sweet goal, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, but look, I mean, this guy rejected United last summer, like outright. So, like, what's he going to, he's going to see Carlo Ancelotti? No, nah. no, it's no, just not no, happening. No, but it no. is always fun to see us even like, linked with you know the type of he's a great player but everyone um, would laugh at this but i guess carlos here so i i guess they're getting yeah, more ambitious with their laughed at james rodriguez i first saw it so <laughs> yeah. they don't quite have the same history so uh no uh yeah, this is another laugh. one that i think is kind of outrageous too but i i think is i think actually is kind of interesting i, I still kind yeah, of don't believe it but all right um well, it's also Calico Mercado, so another reliable source. We're coming with uh, the vetted sources today. <laughs> well, you know, it's we're, it's silly season, right? We're having fun today, I guess. Um, all right. Juventus French midfielder Adrian Rabio has been linked with Everton. Could also be a target for Barcelona. I mean, he could also be a target for the LA Galaxy. Also could be. I mean, he could be could be a target to do my yard work next week, but uh, it's <laughs> unlikely. It's unlikely. Yeah, I... I I'm going to still say maybe on this one. I don't know why. I, I think a lot would have to happen. I think he is. Henri Gomes is functionally similar. I really like Rabio as a player. A lot of people don't like him probably as much as I do. I think he's an underrated athlete. He's big. I mean, he is like 6'2", 6'3". Again, tall guy buys. Um, <laughs> but he really is a good ball mover. He's a good possession player. He can play in a couple different ways. Um, we need players that can progress the ball and keep it. I think he's an underrated defensive player. I think he's positionally sounded. He can win the ball back a little bit. I just like that he's active. He's always around the ball. I can see him and James really back and forth with the ball a lot. Um, 
he just would be expensive and he comes with some baggage in the form of his mother, uh, <laughs> who is no, in all honesty, it's funny. I, everyone goes back and forth. Is Rabio really the problem? You know, he, he has a checkered history of behavioral issues. I don't know if any of them were that awful. It's more him kind of being categorized as a prima donna, but I mean, his mom has been very vocal and his agent at times, I think he fired her two years ago at one point. I mean, there's kind of some interesting, yeah. well, you know, but he's played with big clubs too. So, I mean, you're going to get a little bit of that. I, I think drama. this functionally makes sense, but I mean, this is, I give this a maybe at best though. It just, I'm having, I can't see it. You know what I mean? It's like such a, such a like FIFA type move, you know? Yeah, I know, but it would, I mean, if you think about our starting 11 on the opening day of the season, this year and you swap out Andre Gomez for, oh. I mean, that's a legit, that's a legit. Yeah. Team. I mean, and you think like he may not be like the first signing of the summer, but if there's a couple other moves that are kind of compelling and look, I, I really do think that Marcel and Carlo can pitch a guy on a project. So clearly they were able to do that with Hamas, but they also had that pre-existing long-term relationship between Hamas and Carlo. So it's a little different. I'd love to see it, but, uh, you know, maybe Keen. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens with PSG and uh, Juventus with this bidding war on Keen because obviously they have right of uh, first refusal or they have to, they can match any potential bids. So, and I think uh, we need to look at how these teams finish. I mean, if Juventus is right. in third right now, you know, they, they had a really big win against, I think it was Napoli, right? Um, Dabala scored that goal and whatnot. I, I think um, I'm not making that. I'm trying to do this off memory and my memory is terrible. Yeah, yesterday they won 2 1. So that sent them up to third. So, I mean, they're, it's close though. I mean, Lazio sitting in six at 52, Napoli at 56, and Atalanta, which is, I love saying, is at 58. And they're always competitive for whatever reason. So, I mean, they're right there. I mean, in, in Milan's in second at 60. Yeah. The thing is, if any one of those bigger clubs falls out of the Champions League spot, the TV revenue that they could gather from it, with COVID environment, you know, you can see them selling, you That's know, point. just the thought, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see Milan drop out and like, them sell Frank Cassie or something, but that's a that's another story for another day. Um, I would love to see that. I like him a lot. He's a good player. He just works so hard, and he's he's more of an attacking player. But yeah, oh, yeah. man, he, our fans would love. He's so tough and plays so hard. Um, all right. Speaking of guys that play hard, that are polarizing figures, um, I think Jordan and some of our other. Tottenham, you know, the Podspurg guys had some things to say about Harry Winks. Yeah. Th this one I think is ludicrous. I, I just cannot imagine. I mean, Harry links get linked. I don't know if it was just the echo, but I don't get me wrong. I think if some things happened this year, I could see us getting kind of younger sitting six because Alon, I think is more suited in my opinion to play with more freedom, you know, play more yeah. as a box to box kind of like he did, you know, sorry, kind of converted him to a box to box player in Napoli. And that's when I think he really, took off as a player, even if he kind of came up as a defensive, he actually played right back a lot in Brazil. I don't know if people knew that, but um, I could see us getting a younger sitting six just as an alternative in case Bamin left, but I, I want to see like a big athlete, you know what I mean? In that yeah. situation. So I, I, this one, I, you know, buying English here, he'd be expensive. Probably. Do you want to hand funds to Spurs who we're competing exactly. with? I don't right. see it. I don't see it happening. The logistics of it, the player himself, like you could debate the merits of him. I know he seems to be very much like hot and cold with Spurs fans. Um, just the context of it. Like, I can't see us looking to take players off of Spurs of like Arsenal, right? Like these teams are not going to really want to sell to us much less the vice versa. So um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And 
you see brands. I mean, that hasn't really been his MO to like sign other English guys within the Premier League. So uh, interesting link, uh, but seems like we'd be looking elsewhere and more cost effective, like inter-Premier League transfers typically, I mean, they can work out, but for the most part, I just don't see it being a, a smart move. And, you know, you don't really know what you have with JPG in terms of that sitting sixth role. So I, I think we're all kind of just saying, well, we'll take whatever production we can get from him at this point, anything, as long as he's on the pitch, but he could still surprise a lot of people. I think, I think, you know, just that raw athleticism puts him in a in better position to then wink. So I, we, I pass on Harry. Yeah. We just have a lot of numbers in midfield. Yeah. Too. I mean, I think we'd have to move people either way. I think it could happen. We could get a younger kind of, you know, defensive more mid. I think we, if we moved Andre out and Siggy and some other people, I could see like more of a central mid with some attacking flair. I could see that. I hope we do that. Honestly, I think we need some support in there, but yeah, I'm not seeing this one either. Um, the next one I love USA, right? USA. Do it. USA. Um, yeah. So uh, Everton is tracking Barnsley's American star, Daryl DK, formerly of UVA. Um, I actually watched him play a bunch in college, believe it or not. Um, but that, that's a long story. Um, he's a really unique player and he is killing it at Barnsley right now. He is on loan technically from Orlando in MLS. Um, pretty rare that you see a player kind of move and be able to take that jump in leagues from MLS to I mean, really be from college to MLS to the Premier League. I mean, a guy like Jack Harrison's a good example, but he at least had a stop in the championship with Leeds. Right. I I could see it, honestly. I mean, you know, I saw a 20 million quote price. So the problem is I think Barnsley has a buy option in the loan deal, but they traditionally, I don't think they've ever spent more than maybe four or five million on a player. I went back and looked in their history. I'm doing this off my, off the top of my head, but I, I think the only chance of that happening is if they somehow miraculously get promoted. Um, and I think they may be in the playoffs, but I mean, you know, obviously the two, the two promotion slots are locked in. Right. Um, he's a really, he's a really unique player. I mean, he's like six, one, he's probably 200 pounds. He's built like an absolute brick house and he's phenomenally agile for that size. His acceleration is really good. He hasn't entirely learned how to use that physical body. I mean, he can rise up, he can head the ball, but sometimes he gets kind of out tacticed and out foxed by big guys. But let me tell you what, when that guy has 50, 50 challenges with guys, he sends them flying. The referees don't know how to handle him. I called him the other day as like a true American style athlete. And mm. I, I don't want to mislead people by there. Cause that, I don't, that reeks a little bit of kind of American exceptionalism. I don't mean it that way. What I mean is like, like almost like an NFL style player, like, yeah. um, like a guy that's been built up in American type sports. So he's like, you know, he's from Oklahoma too, of all things, his whole family soccer mad though. So that's kind of interesting. He yeah. makes good decisions on the pitch. Like he has good natural instincts and man, I'll tell you what, he can bang a shot. Um, he's still a little bit raw at times, but man, doesn't that sound like, I don't even know if he's a 90 minute player at this point because he's just so big and, you know, he needs to build up and maybe change his body a little bit, but like, he's a guy you can bring off the bench who is a warrior who can hit some bangers. I mean, he is, if we want to improve our overall athleticism, you're not going to find a guy that has power and pace combos like this very easily. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think it's a trip just like, I'd love to see Everton sign an American player. He could be, I mean, he's not there yet. He could truly be, I mean, a off the charts elite player. He's got that just, there's, Sometimes you just can't substitute that raw athleticism. And it's like, weird to you see know, him, 
I mean, he's, he looks yeah. like a rugby player out there. He's not, he's like out of place. It's like, should this guy yeah. be playing soccer? He should, you're right. He should be playing. He should be like a running back. Running football. back. It's crazy. So, I mean, this is the type of thing when you talk about, talk to like Americans about soccer who aren't like super in tune to it. They're like, well, we produce like some of the best athletes in the world. And he is like an example of that type of athleticism that I think the, my argument would be like, well, the type of athletes America produces may not be as like predisposed to the type of athleticism you need to play soccer, but Great. he is an exception to that where he can really like just destroy guys. And I yeah, think it's, he may never have the endurance, but yeah, he is a soccer player though. I mean, you know, clearly an instinct and whatnot people, I mean, the tactical yeah. abilities, the ability to develop your mind to play the sport is very unique. I think, uh, I mean, it's similar to a couple different sports, but not like the typical athlete that would play American style football is not necessarily the perfect one predisposed to soccer in the nature of it. I mean, frankly, it's an endurance game too. This night and day yeah. type things, but yeah, dude, I but you that. can picture him, Ryan, flying into a 50, 50 tackle in front of oh. the Gladys street and everyone oh. just going, ballistic oh i know i mean he is just an absolute cannonball i i i he's actually a very bright kid too like you hear him talking stuff he is sharp he would represent the u.s very well and everton very well too so this is one i'm kind of rooting for you know get what i mean done brands get it done I, know, I, know. I, I don't know what it would be like i'm sure i'll have some competition he's very raw but um there's a lot to work with here all right well speaking of former mls players um, another Turkish source. I love these. These are always so reliable has named former MLS player, Kyle Laren going to Everton. I think we got linked to him a couple years ago. Um, yeah. he's at Besiktas right now, maybe a swap deal with Jank uh, Tosin. I don't know if he wants to sit behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. I mean, it's not, it's not the most insane link in terms of like a Josh King type ish guy who has some size to sit there in the third slot behind those guys. But I mean, it's just, it's typical Turkish room. I, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, it doesn't, I doubt it. Doubt it. It's just a lot of like flashy striker uh, offensive player rumors. And then a couple of right backs thrown in. I mean, he's I, right. I don't really, he's yeah, an he, player, but I mean, I, I, he's not a premier uh, league player. I don't, I like that. The source, uh, Peter Galindo, says that Cenk Tosin could be used as a bargaining chip. It's like, is that, is Cenk still a bargaining chip of some sort? Like he is, chip days are running low. I mean, he looked a little bit better, I think, this weekend, which is good. Yeah, Thank God. Thank yes. God. Because, I mean, he's been not playing, you know. I don't know if it was banged up or what the deal is. But anyway, that that's about it on the credible rumors. I mean, we could talk about the Thierry Small, which is a lesson in rumor mill mongering you know where i i think hopefully he'll sign a deal it, you know the initial reports were like he's gonna leave everton and all this ridiculous you know it's a classic messed up source exaggerating things i mean we had rumors that we're gonna sell yeri mina he wants out <laughs> and then the Bellotti links are absolutely absurd i mean come on stuff like this is just absolutely silly so i'm not even gonna bother spending too much time with that but yeah i mean that's it look there are a lot of rumors and a lot of things going out I, I think there are a lot of players that can help this team um but you know as a general rule if you see us linked to a position that we probably don't need or you see a player who's either aging or questions about either it's flat out made up especially if there's like a carlo rumor because he yeah. coached him at one point or like we're a brand's rumor half of syria at this point oh yeah i mean the whole napoli team we're going to be linked to get ready for that chucky's coming here you know oh. because he was at psvn here 
I'm surprised we haven't signed Joshua Brene in a free because brands brought him in, you know, many years, you know, it's right. stuff like you're, you're yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. happen. It's going to happen. And that's life. So it's good to have that filter and it's fun to talk about this stuff, but it's exciting times. I mean, look, if we sneak in a European slot, it would be amazing. Uh, I think it'll make recruitment that much easier, but man, I, I think we are poised to make that jump. The summer's really, we always say the summer is important, but I think this one we're on the tail end of kind of the previous regime. So Let's see what Carlo and brands can dial up together. Uh, I'm excited about it too, um, but onward and upward. And man, we need three points most importantly uh, against Brighton. Yeah. Amen to that. And hopefully we'll be, you know, no injuries in training and we'll see, but you know, Brighton look they're they're finally kind of reaping the rewards of the, the quality of play that they've been putting together all season. So if we couldn't beat palace, Brighton might be a slightly tougher task, but uh, as long as we can create the same number of chances and yep. hopefully, you know, DCL and Richie are more at the races than they were. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited for kind of the season to start winding down. Things could get really intense in the table. And then you've got the added addition of, of course, the transfer rumors, which, like I said earlier in the show, like if Marcel Brands has a true budget and doesn't have to worry like about selling twice as many guys as he can bring in, well, then that could be very, very interesting for Evertonians all over the world. So I'm could be very- opportunities. Could be a lot of opportunities in this market for sure. Yes. You know, COVID, it's going to matter. You know, are fans allowed in? Things like that. So there's, there's so much. That's why there's so much uncertainty right now. I wouldn't place too much faith in any rumors so let's take some of this stuff with a grain of salt okay max aaron's not showing up tomorrow i mean it's just so people need this yeah yeah yeah, there it is no anyway yeah so that's i I think that's probably a good (laughs) to to wrap the show and uh we did go a little long today but hopefully you enjoyed the more long form content uh if you did if you like the show or you have some feedback for us do get in touch with us on twitter or instagram or facebook at usa toffee pod if you want to find all of our links social media etc the link is l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash usa toffee pod that's link tr dot e-e slash usa toffee pod uh otherwise you know stay on the lookout for our post-match episode following monday's match against brighton and hove albion the state of uh, maine internet connections yeah you know, provided actually work assuming that which is a big assumption honestly at this <laughs> point uh but it is uh starting to get really nice up here in maine so getting some good weather but hope all of you enjoyed the show and as always and until next time up the toffees